0: Welcome to the Endangered Words Podcast, a podcast that aims to highlight the plight of endangered languages and to shed light on some of these languages, their beauty and uniqueness, and how they are being helped or how you can help in keeping them alive. For those who are new, I am not a teacher. I don't claim to be a teacher. I am only a language enthusiast. And as such, I'd like to hope that we are all learning together. There will inevitably be some gaps in my knowledge. So, if you want to add to the conversation, please leave a message in the YouTube comment section. I would ask of all of those who are commenting to please be civil and nice to each other. This is meant to be a positive not a negative, so let's be kind. Today, we are diving headfirst into the language of the Ainu, the indigenous inhabitants of Japan. It is a language that at first seems slightly Japanese-sounding, but upon closer inspection reveals itself to be really different and unique. We will look at some of the grammar, the history... The sounds and the current state of Ainu. The Ainu, now found mostly in Hokkaido, were at one point found over much of Japan. They mostly lived in the northern regions of Japan called Tōhoku. As far as I am aware, it is currently unknown how far south the Ainu actually inhabited scientists are able to pinpoint possible territory based upon place names used in modern Japanese. One such location that may surprise people is Mount Fuji. It is theorised that Fuji might be of Ainu origin. Based upon archaeological evidence, it has been proven the Japan was once inhabited by peoples known as the Jōmon. After successive migrations from Korea and China, Japan came to be dominated by a new group, the Yayoi. It has been suggested that the Ainu and Jōmon peoples have some kind of link in the past, but I am not sure of the specifics myself. The Yayoi people quickly spread out and encountered people they referred to as Ezo. These were the Ainu of northern Honshu. Eventually the Ezo, or Ainu of northern Honshu, disappeared entirely, leaving only place names in their wake. Such place names are prevalent all over the Tohoku area of northern Japan, as well as Hokkaido. The Ainu themselves tend to look a bit more like the peoples of Central Asia or parts of Europe than the Japanese and tend to have a lot more facial hair. Their culture is animist, animist being the belief of spirits in things such as trees, animals, etc., and, as such, worship the lands and animals as being gods. One of their most revered idols is the bear. In the past, they would raise a bear from a baby until it reaches a certain age, then they would sacrifice it to the gods. This practice is, of course, no longer allowed in Japan. Another banned practice was that of tattooing the hands and mouth. Women would have big black tattoos circling their lips. One of the oldest records of Ainu seems to date back to around the 1800s when Japanese colonists in Hokkaido, using katakana to transcribe it, wrote down a bunch of vocabulary from the Ainu language into a rudimentary dictionary. Ainu never had its own system of writing and... All of the Ainu people's stories were restricted to oral transmission. The Ainu have a vast set of tales that were handed down from generation to generation called the Yukkara. The language of the Yukkara was slightly different to that of what could be deemed modern Ainu. Apart from the language of the Yukkara, there are considered to be three dialectal families the dialects of Hokkaido, the dialects of the Kuril Islands, and the dialects of Sahelin. Of all of the groups, only the Hokkaido variety seems to be alive. The number of speakers is small, but it seems to be increasing due to the fantastic work of some talented individuals. The Ainu language, due to colonialism and prior to that contact with the Japanese, known as Shisam to the Ainu, has a lot of Japanese loanwords. Surprisingly, despite the poor view of the Japanese towards Ainu culture, it is believed that a lot of Japanese of unknown origin may be of Ainu origin. The Ainu language said Ainu go in Japanese and Ainuita in Ainu consists of the same five vowel sounds as Japanese, A, I, U, E, O, and shares consonants with Japanese too. It does differ in having word-final consonants, the sound Tu and the sound We, and in some other places. I shall now give you a little bit of an example in Ainu as well as compare Japanese and Ainu sentences Hike Makanakne an. Why don't you come a little closer? Eanianakne Matahe Pirika Sakhe Pirika Do you like winter or summer? Now let's compare Japanese and Ainu. Ku ipe desu na. Onaka I'm hungry. The first sentence was Ainu. The second sentence, Japanese. And of course, the third was English. In Ainu, I said Ku ipe desu na ku means I. ipe means to eat, although it doesn't take an object, so really it means to feast in a way. rusui means want and na is an emphasis particle. In Japanese I said onaka ga suita. Onaka is stomach and the suita part means empty. Let's have a look at another three sentences. Hemantakusu emokon no? Why are you sleepy? In the first one we had hemantakusu which is kind of like saying what reason? Emokon is you sleeping. And then rusui. Which is want to. Douste nemutai no? The douste means why. Nemutai means sleepy or want to sleep. And no is like a question particle. Let's look at our last three sentences. Dokoni tareino. Where should I go? Hunaun means where to. Paeang, I go. Chiki, if. Pirika, good. Dokoni is the same as Hunaun, where to. Ittara, if go e the e means good and the no is a question particle as you can see from the example sentences ainu is quite a bit different to japanese it has a stricter system of pronouns than japanese which often omits pronouns entirely the pronouns in ainu are complicated as instead of using the normal pronoun for i a pronoun referred to in texts as the fourth person is used. I guess it's slightly similar to how some people might use one as a first-person pronoun. It also has pronouns for the first-person plural, in English the pronoun we, that are used for transitive verbs and intransitive verbs. With transitive verbs, meaning words that have an object, and intransitive verbs are words that have no object. You can think of transitive to be like the word trance, like transported. The action is transported to the object. The pronouns in Ainu are as follow. I is ku. Ku. We, transitive, is chi. We, intransitive, is aş. You, singular, is e. You, plural, is echi. There are no words for he, she or it in Ainu. Instead, the verbs are on their own, implying that he, she or it is being said. The fourth person transitive is a. The fourth person intransitive is ang. A curious thing that pronouns do is attached directly to verbs. So the normal word order is subject, object, verb. For example, Ainu, kamui, laike. Ainu, bear, kill. But in the case of a pronoun, it would be which is bear, I kill. The language is like German in that it makes very long words out of lots of short words. It also has singular and plural verbs. The singular verbs attach to singular pronouns, so for example, ku and e. The plural verbs attach to chi, ash, an, uh, a, and echi. Currently, the number of speakers of Ainu is very low, with perhaps only a handful of fluent speakers. I am only aware of one native speaker alive today, and both of her parents are native Japanese speakers. That all said, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of new learners today. Now we will have a look into why the language is so endangered. The main reason is Japanese colonialism and the policies put in place by successive Japanese governments who tried to integrate the Ainu into the Japanese nation and extinguish their culture and language. They were forced into Japanese medium education and their land rights were slowly stripped away from them many Ainu hid their identities and married Japanese partners, further eroding the culture. Most Ainu these days are at least in part Japanese, and because of this, some Japanese government ministers have tried to claim that the Ainu no longer exist and therefore don't need special status or help to improve poverty and education. The Ainu language and the culture that it belonged to was looked down upon as being barbaric or uncivilised, especially when compared to the rigid language and caste system of the Edo period Japanese. Fortunately, there were efforts made by some at the time to preserve and protect the culture and language. One champion of the Ainu was a Christian missionary named John Batchelor. He lived in Hokkaido from 1877 until 1941, leaving only due to the war. By all accounts, he didn't want to leave, but he was forced to leave, dying a few years later in England. In his time with the Ainu, he championed their rights, studied their language and helped to promote their cause and culture overseas. He wrote a number of books about the Ainu, including a grammar of the Ainu language and a dictionary of the language as well. There has been a lot of debate about how accurate John Batchelor's work actually is in regards to his writings on the language and the grammar, etc. But one cannot argue that he had an important role to play in promoting the language and the people. Another person who championed the language was a girl named Yukie Chiri. Yukie Chiri was an Ainu girl who grew up bilingual in Ainu and Japanese. She translated and transcribed the Yukara, helping to ensure its survival until this day. She endured bullying in school and felt inferior because of her culture. Fortunately, A travelling Japanese man named Kyosuke Kindaichi impressed upon her that she was in a unique position with her bilingualism and she dedicated her life to the Yukara. The same night that she completed her first book of the Yukara, she had a heart attack and died. In her tragically short 19-year life, she was able to create something that would help to inspire others and help her people and culture. Her Yukkara collection is said to be one of the most important, if not the most important there is. Another of her family, her younger brother, under Kindaichi's tutelage, became one of the most famous scholars and writers of Ainu. He worked on a grammar and dictionary for the language as well as other books. Currently, the language is being kept alive by the Ainu inhabitants of Nibutani in Hokkaido, as well as the Ainu Museum and some other organisations around Hokkaido and Tokyo. There is a show for learners on STV radio in Hokkaido that has various guest teachers do courses for all of the dialects of the language. One of the most important groups of people is actually a family living in Nibutani, Father and husband Kenji Sekine, mother and Ainu native Maki Sekine, and their daughter and Ainu speaker Maya Sekine. Their courses can be found online, in books, and of course on the radio. Currently on STV Radio, Kenji Sekine and Maya Sekine are running an Ainu course in the Saru dialect. If you speak Japanese, you can currently find their course on the STV radio website. Speaking of learner materials, unfortunately, for English speakers, most of the content is made for Japanese speakers only. However, there are some books and dictionaries that are available in English. There is a speaking dictionary available online created by a lady named Anna Bugaeva, that is based upon her recordings of one of the last native speakers. This website covers the Saru dialect. There is a book available by Masayoshi Shibatani called The Languages of Japan. This book also goes in-depth into the Ainu language and is in English. A book by linguist Kirsten Refsing called the Ainu language, the morphology and syntax of the Shizunai dialect focuses, as you might imagine, on the Shizunai dialect of Ainu. She pieced together this book and grammar based on interviews with one of the last with one of the last Shizunai dialect speakers. Finally, there is the grammar book and dictionary created by John Batchelor, which you can find online for free as it is public domain. The book by Batchelor uses a writing style for Ainu that is different to the current standard, so it may be confusing for some learners. There is no doubting that in Batchelor's books there is a lot of information, so it may prove to be helpful for potential learners. Whether or not there is enough traction for the Ainu language to make a comeback, I'm not sure. However, I believe that it is off to a good start, given that it is slowly gaining traction with the local government, as well as the Ainu peoples. With so many backing the language, and Ainu becoming more popular in Japanese culture, with a famous anime and manga called Golden Kamui, becoming popular with teenagers all around Japan, I think that the Ainu language is in with a real chance of surviving. I personally think that the language and the culture are both beautiful and unique entities that deserve to be given an equal status in Hokkaido. Not unlike Gaelic, with the implementation of bilingual signage in Scotland, I would love to see something similar with Ainu. Finally, I would like to end this podcast by talking about some comments that I received. These comments were not on the YouTube channel, but in my personal life. The comments in a nutshell were referring to the fact that reviving a language is exceedingly difficult. This is true. My personal opinion is that even if you cannot revive the language... Just trying, just doing it, just getting in there and doing something that is positive is better than nothing at all. And in the end, if it's only you and maybe a handful of people who speak the language, at least you learnt something new, something beautiful, something unique, a unique perspective on the world that many other people would not have. I think that's something special and something to strive for. I myself am learning a somewhat dead dialect of Gaelic, a dialect that only a handful of people have any knowledge of at all. But I find it exciting. It's amazing to look back into this dialect, into this way of thinking, something that is so unique in the world. And I personally champion any people and any group who are trying to do the same. We may not succeed but we tried. And that is the most important thing. So I think I will leave it on that note. A little bit of positivity is always a good thing. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you will join me for the next one. Thank you very much for listening.